1: Another week closer to Tuesday. (laughs) February 22nd, 2022.
0: What's going to be funny is when we're recording episodes (laughs) after that and you're like, it's been three weeks
1: since Since Tuesday. Since Since I last felt a spark of joy in my soul. (laughs) But... We're not to that point yet, so I'm still excited, still full of vim and vigor, and ready to get into another great episode. As always, we're excited.
0: Of course. And today, what we're going to be talking about are African Dilemma Tales. So I feel like I teased this episode so long ago that I can't even remember and there's a possibility I might not have even teased it so much as said that I was like reading about African Dilemma Tales. Yeah. And I was at that time finding them really interesting and thinking to myself, someday this might be an episode. I don't remember. But I'm really excited to finally be doing this episode because <laughs> it has been something that I've been like planning on doing for a really long time. And it's funny because, like, we joke a lot about how long it takes us from, like, having an idea to do an episode to then, like, actually making the episode happen. But truly what that means for anyone who's listening is that we've had time to actually, like, learn more (laughs) and let the idea for the episode, like, percolate and figure out, like, a really intriguing angle to come at the subject. So that is exactly what's happened with this episode. The longer I'm alive, the longer I have to learn more stuff. <laughs> so, we'll start off by talking about what an African dilemma tale is, and then we'll get into um some of the stories. So, what makes an African dilemma tale really interesting is the function of the tale and the context around the performance or the telling of the tale the stories themselves are like they're really they're short they're quick they're like basic um they're still interesting to read and i would love to you know see them performed yeah but they aren't epic tales
1: yeah and they also come across as like incomplete at least the ones that i yes. read in preparation for this you like get to the end and you're like now what you know like yeah
0: yeah you get to the end and you're like oh, wait huh and it's it's because you're you're missing all of like the context yeah. of the tale you're like, wow
1: this is quite the dilemma that is not resolved yeah within the story itself
0: exactly yeah And so, like, obviously, in Africa, huge, full, whole continent, lots of different cultures, lots of different tales. Within those cultures and stuff, they have epic tales. They have myths. They have legends. Like, you know, they have everything that they have everywhere else. Yes, they have mermaids. (laughs) There are African mermaids.
1: They have some of the coolest versions of mermaids, too.
0: And some, like, terrifying ones, because there's, like cave uh yeah mermaids not just like that's what i was talking about yeah 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 because i was like (laughs) not because there are are drawings of mermaids like inside of caves but there's also stories of like mermaids or like water creatures water spirits like inside of caves yeah Yeah, which is yeah i'm like that all is fascinating but These tales, the African Dilemma tales are, um, they're really these like short, quick, basic, and then, yeah, what you were saying, incomplete sounding. They sound incomplete, but we'll get into like why that is.
1: They leave you wanting more, I'll say that. Yeah. In a good way. Yes. It's not like, oh, that's it. It's like, no, tell me what happens next.
0: Yeah, it like because they're open-ended, they're like intriguing in this like no. way. Yeah.
1: They're fun. I like it.
0: Yeah. So to be clear, these types of tales they're not specific to Africa either. They are also found in Spain, Germany and France with names that if I tried to pronounce I would sound like an idiot. So here goes. <laughs> <laughs> so in Spain they're called a divinanza, which I believe means riddles. Mm. In Germany, they're called Frogen. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to any German listener. Frogen? Like Fragen. But you oh, have to Frogen. like the, when I heard it pronounced by somebody else, the, the G almost sounded like the, the G was like mm. it was a secret and it was none of your business. Right. Where <clears throat> it was like Froggen. <laughs>
1: You only know that there's a G there if you know that there's a G. Yeah, there. like if
0: you see it spelled out, then you're like, oh, okay. And in France, they are called quoi difficile or cause de conscience, which I love that because translated those ones in French are difficult choices. Like mm-hmm. the tales are called difficult choices or yeah. cases of the conscience.
1: Ooh, I like that. I was
0: like, ooh, I like that. And
1: indie band just got a name.
0: Cases of the Conscience.
1: Or an album title. We'll see.
0: Excellent. So in the book, The Annotated African-American Folklore by Henry Louis Gates Jr. and notes by Maria Tatar. Yes. It says... Although these kinds of stories are often associated with African folklore, they can be found in other cultures too. In English, they are called unanswerable riddle stories, conundrums, and problem tales, and folk problems. So this tale type is not specific to Africa, but the tales themselves are specific. To Africa, right. if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
0: like, th- basically, the function that they serve exists in other cultures, but these tales themselves, these all don't necessarily have, you know, like equivalents in other cultures. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just so it's a- like the
1: t- the the type of story exists in other cultures, but the stories themselves aren't necessarily common across cultures. Like, there's yeah. there are dilemma tales that are completely unique to a specific culture like in Africa they have tales that you're not going to find like an equivalent version of that story in France Spain America
0: yeah
1: it's like like fables you know fables can come from lots of different cultures and it doesn't mean the story is the same it just means like that type of story
0: yeah there there is one that shows up in like Israel, Italy, Iran. All the I I want to say, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it, I was just joking about that. No, 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 that. no. It was like some, like, like those uh, three. I found stories that are in the ATU index and uh, this tail type. I believe it's called like the rarest thing in the world, mm. and it is really it, interesting that 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 one is one that pops up in the dilemma tales and in like these like other countries. Uh, But I have like more research to do on that one, but
1: the rarest thing in the world, it's common sense, isn't it?
0: So in an African dilemma tale, a situational problem is revealed in the course of the story. So usually the story ends with a character having to make an important decision about what to do next. Typically something like, who will be saved or who in the story should receive a punishment or who's going to receive like an amazing reward. And the answers are discussed by the group that's listening to the story. And so the purpose of the function of the tale isn't to have an ending. It's supposed to be open-ended. So the function of these tales is to bind the social group together through conversations about their values. It's meant to start a conversation and also to teach how to have productive conversations and state like your ideas in front of like a group. So Mm. like it has this very like cool and important function to the story
1: That's really cool and interesting because that is an important skill to Mm -hmm. have in in a community. Yes. And like we've talked about a lot with lots of storytelling. In a recent episode where we talked about reading fairy tales to children in order to like transmit values and things like that. It's like ways that you can talk about things in difficult situations without having to be in the middle of the situation. Yes the ones that I've seen that we'll be telling today, or at least that I'll be telling today, they're like a situation that you will never find yourself in. It's very like extreme. But it also is getting to the point of like, okay, but there is something to be discussed here. And because it's this extreme fake thing, we can talk about it. I think even today we do stuff like this, you know, where we're talking about like Marvel movies and we're talking about, let's say like uh, Avengers Civil War. And it's like, oh, you've got like Tony Stark versus... Captain America, and they both have like these really good ideas and stances, but they're completely opposed to one another. And then you can talk through that with people. It's like, we're not superheroes fighting each other, but that is applicable of like, oh, what happens when we're in a country that is divided, that has two sides that are at odds with one another, but we're supposed to be friends working together. You know, it's like, yeah, that can't possibly be relevant to us in our world today. So I just think that's really cool that they had – not only that, like, yeah, it's just a natural thing that kind of happens, but they, they do that very purposefully. Yes. Like, you can't help but have a conversation. And there's apparently, if I'm understanding correctly, kind of, like, a formal, within the genre of storytelling, like, it's supposed to translate into this kind of, like, a discussion sort of thing at the end.
0: Yeah. that like, what... It leads
1: directly into it.
0: Exactly. And sometimes it's set up where you have an older like village elder kind of telling the story and then it becomes like a community conversation and so you have a mixture of like ages of people who are there yeah and that way you have a mixture of ages two of people who are listening to the answers so they're either young people kind of coming into themselves and maybe feeling like, oh, hey, I have a perspective that I kind of want to put forth. And then they can put forth the idea in front of like the group. And maybe somebody who's older than them or the same age or whatever, challenges that idea. And is like, oh, well, I thought about it like this way. And sometimes it even gets into discussions that involve other stories from the community that they use to like illustrate kind of like the point that they see or come up from a different direction. And so it turns into this kind of like multi-generational conversation about the community shared values. And so you have, you know, younger people who are like receiving this information watching the older people having like the discussion. But then also, you have younger people who might be challenging the thought and the thinking of the older people in their community. And it's supposed to be a safe place. It's supposed to be like a safe conversation, where you can have these discussions. Because again, like what you were saying, because the stories aren't about you know, something that happened in the village or something that happened inside of their community with specific community members. Yeah. It can be a safe conversation because it's not like, so, so and so did this thing the other day. What do we think about this, guys? But it's right. a, a conversation of like, all right, let's talk about shared values and when like different values are opposing each other and how do you make a good decision? At that point.
1: So if you're talking about something that actually happened in that, like in that community, the people will be involved in like relationships with one another. They'll be friends, they'll be brother and sister, they'll be family in some way. And that introduces a lot of like automatic, like, you know, bias and side taking and whatever. Yeah. And it's not like you don't still have that. Going into this discussion and a dilemma tale, because if there's something going on that is similar to something like (laughs) that has happened to a family member of yours, that's going to inform your perspective, but it does give you enough distance to be able to talk about it, you know, more safely and more productively, I think, which is super interesting to think about.
0: And And it also provides an opportunity to basically practice these skills of stating like what your point of view is in like an assertive way right which is like and also
1: getting used to it being challenged
0: yeah that too and and like you can and like you know if there are children who are like witnessing like this conversation going down they are seeing what is good behavior in an argument and what is bad hmm. behavior yeah and it is all be you know cuz like if somebody is starting to like get heated or out of control the person who is like in charge of it usually like the like the community like elder Mm -hmm. can softly like reprimand them and be like okay we all heard you yeah exactly (laughs) step in yeah to be like okay wow and you know if somebody is having bad behavior inside of you know the the discussion the other community members will take note of that and you know that way everybody learns like Okay, we don't tr- we don't talk to each other like that. We don't like argue. This isn't a place f- for brawls or like anything. So it teaches yeah. just this like a shared value in itself of like we value communication. We value listening to other people's arguments. We value remaining calm. When somebody disagrees with us. So like the the functionality of these like tales is like very, very important to like community building.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah. So in the book, The Annotated African American Folklore, it says, these stories draw us into the dark shadows of decision making, revealing that no decision is right or just those two words are in like quotation, And that there is always a loss of some kind. These Mm -hmm. are the tales relevant to developing social and cultural values as judgments and decisions are weighed and evaluated.
1: That's super interesting.
0: Especially like as we get into the tales, like you'll hear that like the decisions that they're being asked to make are they're, they're not always like 100% like, Oh, this is the right way or like, it's like, have you ever been on the the Reddit page, like, am I the asshole? And yeah. there are some where it's clear one person was in the right and the other person was, like, wrong. Yeah. And then there are times where it's like, no, bad behavior on both sides. And then there are the ones where it's like, oh, this is just a really hard, yeah. like, thing. And it was Bad all around, not because anybody behaved badly, but just because the situation was bad. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, there was no right answer. This was just an awful situation.
1: Right. And the thing that stood out to me in the quote that you just read was talking about how there's always a loss and looking yeah. at just the stories that we're going to be telling today, I'm like really excited to get into it now yeah. and now discuss it with this knowledge because <laughs> yeah, it, it. I think it helps show in real life because sometimes- You know, we think, and especially in stories, there's, like, there is a resolution. Things work out. Everything goes the way that it's supposed to in the end. Um, And it gets, like, wrapped up very nicely. And sometimes we make a decision that we're like, oh, yeah, this is obviously the right decision. And that means everything's going to work out okay for everyone. But it's, like, lots of times in life, you make a decision and it is going to be the right thing, but it's going to impact some people positively and other people negatively. Yeah. I was just thinking about that because I was on a search committee to hire someone. And like we had three candidates come in and they were all great. But at the end of the day, like you're only going to hire one of them and two of these other people are going to walk away, not getting the job and it's going to be a real bummer to them.
0: Yeah. So another quote from the annotated African-American folklore says even when a character resolves the formulated dilemma or when a narrator steps in to referee or issue a judgment, the audience may still challenge the wisdom of a decision and propose alternative solutions. So there's this like, you know, built in mechanism for because like some of these stories <sighs> in different areas, they do have like an ending or yeah. like or a proposed ending. Right. But because of the way that it is set up in this conversation, they're allowed to say, no, I don't yeah. think that was a good choice. I don't like that.
1: I feel like that's kind of how our podcast is, too. Like, because we're <laughs> set up in this place where we are supposed we get in and we're supposed to comment on the story afterwards, not just be like, that was delightful. I enjoyed that retelling, Katrina. Let's just end the
0: podcast yeah. there.
1: Like, we end up being like, I'm not so sure how I felt about this person's choice in this moment. You know, so it, like again, it's good. Like it's cool when, and I know I enjoyed doing the podcast for that exact same reason. Yeah, for the same reason that these they enjoyed doing these kind of dilemma tales. I'm sure. It's yeah, like, where you not can be same, like, but similar.
0: Yeah, where it's just like, oh, you know what? I feel the na- need to like communicate how I felt reading this story or hearing this story, and even though it had a like oh, and then King Thrushbeard ended up getting married to this woman and they lived happily ever after. And then me as the narrator's like, yeah, right. Yeah. It, it's like nice that these stories are like set up for this like community discussion of like, so what do you think about that? And people can be like, I hated it. <laughs> like, I think they made the wrong choice 100%. So now that we've kind of like teased all this, we are going to be sharing some dilemma tales. So the first dilemma tale that we're going to be reading is the devil comes between them. And I've the title in English is so interesting to me just because it's the devil comes between them. When what the name that's in the translation is Eblis which is a fallen angel slash demon that is more connected with the Islamic Muslim faith tradition. Yeah. Which is, is actually relevant. And I looked this up because I thought it was really interesting. This story comes from the Hassa people that are found in Southern Niger and northern nigeria so because like obviously africa is a full whole continent there are a lot of different like cultural groups countries languages like yeah So all of their folklore is not just like one homogenous like lump. So we want to make sure that we pinpoint exactly where this story comes from itself. And it was I was glad that they did say uh, what group of people it came from just because then I could look up this interesting like devil versus like Iblis thing. But anyway, so the story is the devil comes between them. And it is in the book African Folk Tales that is put out by the Pantheon Fairy Tale and Folklore Library.
1: Nice. All right. So it starts off with a youth who once saw a young maiden, got his courage up, and told her that he loved her. And when she saw him come up and tell her that he loved her, she told him the same, that she loved him. Oh, and so the young fellow went and he got his sleeping mat, took the girl by the hand and went off with her into the bush. So he spreads out his mat on the ground and invites the girl to sit down with him. And it seems like things are heading in a direction. But they just both sit down and they start talking and getting to know one another, which is sweet until iblis the devil comes out of nowhere and chops the boy's head off
0: <laughs> yeah this story takes such a sharp turn <laughs>
1: it's like oh if you think it's going one way getting exciting gets a lot less exciting then gets really exciting in a, the most disturbing way that you did not see coming and the girl did not see that happening either she couldn't do anything but just like sit there and She couldn't do anything but just like be in absolute shock. And then she was obviously sad that this person that she loved was killed. Yeah. Meanwhile, both the mothers and fathers of these young men and young women are looking for them. So these mothers and fathers looking everywhere for their children. They come across this old lady who's like, oh, I saw him going that way. And they're like, thank you. And they went off down the road. And soon the boy's parents found their son killed with his head gone and they obviously very upset started to mourn as well. Suddenly, Eblis comes up, not killing anyone, but equally disturbingly, he makes a river of fire, a river of water, a river of black-hooded cobras, and at the very last of all of that he puts a land monitor, like a a monitor lizard, lizard. yeah. And he goes up to the group, to the girl's mother and father, to the boy's mother and father, and the girl herself. And he says, Hey, you want me to help you bring your son back to life? And they're like, uh, yeah, of course. And he's like, okay. So he turns to the boy's mother. He's like, you boy's mother go into the river of fire and then the river of water. And then the river of cobras get the land monitor and bring it back. And the boy's mother is like, no way am I going into a river of fire to be burned up or to a river of cobras. She was apparently going to be fine with the river of water, which, I mean, that's fair. That's kind of normal status quo for yeah, a river to be. We've what, all what been Yeah, that's usually what
0: rivers are, yeah.
1: But, you know, she's like, not going to go get burned in a river of fire, not going to go into a river of covers and get bitten. And I'm like, smart choice. Dude, but she basically turns him down, and Needless is like, well, if you had gone and brought me back that lizard, I'd have helped you out. But unfortunately, there's nothing I can do. Hearing that, the girl was like, oh, yeah, so you're saying that if I bring you back this monitor lizard, the boy will come back to life. And Iblis is like, yes. And so, boom, she jumps into the river of fire. Swims across it. Plunges herself into the river of water. Swims till she was all the way through it. Jumps into the river of cobras. Starts pushing them aside. All these slithering snakes. Grabs the land monitor. And then comes back through all of these rivers. Holding said lizard. And gives it to to Iblis. And he, somewhat nonchalantly, is like, oh, so you've got the land monitor for me. The boy stands up, comes back to life, and Iblis speaks again. So Iblis goes up to the young man who's just been brought back to life. He says, okay, we've got this lizard here. If you kill the lizard, your mother will die. But if you don't kill the lizard, then the girl's mother will die. And so now this boy has the choice. Should he kill the lizard? And kill his own mother or will he spare it and kill the girl's mother? Which do you think that he should do?
0: So this is like what we're talking about with like, when we are saying like at the beginning that like these stories, like the choice, it is not a like, there's not a right choice and a just choice or one that doesn't involve some kind of loss. Right. Because it's like, Then the community discussion becomes, which is more important, like your family or people in your community who maybe like act better or like, so in the case of like this girl, she was willing to swim through a river of fire, water, cobras, like do this impossible task for him when his own mother was not willing to do that. And so now it's like, okay, so where does his loyalty lie? Like, that's the the community yeah. conversation that then, like, I, has to go on.
1: And it's really interesting, too, because it goes back to a conversation that we kind of had just as friends fairly recently about, you know, your values come into play. And they're kind of conflicting values. Yes. Family's important. Like, yes. the woman that you love is important and her family's important. People that... Help you out that are your friends are important, yeah. But these things are completely at odds with one another, and the order in which you stack these values, the importance that you place on the different values, is going to determine kind of the way that you will lean. I don't think anyone's like really quick to be like, This is definitely the choice you should make, you know. It's like it's a difficult thing, but in just Thinking through this situation, it helps you yourself realize where those values compare to one another. Yeah. Interestingly, like my thought, and I'm like, I'm really glad my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. I was like, (laughs) not that I would kill my mother, but it's kind of like his mother It's like his mother didn't do anything to try to save him. And this girl did like the same thing that you said, like that was the first part that came to me. It wasn't like, well, obviously he can't kill his mother. The part that came immediately was like that the person's actions are the thing that dictates how he should make the choice, which you get in the case of me, like my mother, I 100% believe would have jumped in the fire, jumped through the water, jumped through the cobras. Yeah. Like because she's done that metaphorically for me exactly, like my entire yeah. life, you know? Yeah. So it's like in that case, like my mom would be just that, that both of those people, you know? Yeah. But in if not, like what is what is more important? Is it more important family who's related to you? Or is it more important like what people do for you? And it's kind of like, even when you talk about that, it's like there's kind of an icky sort of thing of like that people are only worth what they can do for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, that's not the case, but it's like it kind of is adjacent to that at least. It's and it's not only, but you know what I mean? It's just like
0: And so yeah, it 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 goes back to like, you know, what you were talking about with like ordering, like your values, like, you can value, like, I value my husband, I value my friends, I value my like, you know, my family of origin that I came from. But if something were to happen, and that's why like these stories set up Like, a a thing that would never happen, right? Yeah. Because, like, the devil is not going to ever, you know, come to your community and chop off people's heads and set these, like, rivers of stuff and an obstacle course for you. Um, An American Ninja Warrior type (laughs) (laughs) situation.
1: With extremely high stakes.
0: Yeah, with extremely high stakes. Uh, Like, that isn't going to happen. And so, like, these stories, they, they set up these like situations that you know they're impossible they would never happen but it illustrates the point that sometimes in our lives we do have decisions that we have to make where we have to choose our spouse over our friends or we have to choose our friends or or over our family or our family over like a spouse like these uncomfortable real life situations happen where you have to decide like Okay, how do I order these priorities? Like, how do I order? And and I mean, even more complicated ones, not just like with relationships with people, but like is like your job more important than your friends or is like your religion more important than your job or your like spouse or like whatever it is, like there are times in our lives where you like you just do have to choose those things that you might love all of them or value all of them, but there has to be a hierarchy or like some, something because sometimes stuff there happens. And it's amazing. Cause like these stories, like that's what they illustrate is like that, that conflict that like has to, you know, kind of be talked about and like thought through. So in other episodes that we've done, we take a lot of time to discuss like after a story like this one, like, our thoughts on the moral and stuff like in our aesop fable base like episodes but for this episode what i thought would be really fascinating for us to talk about is that the most important elements of these stories for folklorists are not recorded wah, wah. Wah, wah. they don't exist <laughs> which is like super super frustrating But, like, really quickly, I wanted to talk about, before we do some other stories, because we are going to do some other stories, uh, I just really want to talk about text, texture, and context. And context is one of, like, the most important ones that we're missing here Mm -hmm. in, like, the stories when they were recorded. So these are words that folklorists use when they're looking at any piece of like folklore. So that can range from like folk tales, to quilts to jello salad to like religious rituals. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> Folk folklore is like a lot.
1: Jello salads and marriage ceremonies on the same <laughs> level as far as folklorists yeah. are concerned.
0: <laughs> they're like, oh, yep, all equally <laughs> important and need to be talked about. So I have a quote from Living Folklore, An Introduction to the Study of People and Their Traditions. And it says, Folklorists pay attention to the performed act of expressive artistic communication, the when, where, with whom, how, and why people communicate. In addition to actual content, words, or actions, the text, Folklorists consider literacy, linguistics, or physical nuances of those texts, that's the texture, and they study these elements within specific groups and settings, the context. Okay, so I'll explain that out like a little bit more because like, that's like a really condensed uh, definition kind of of all of those things. Uh, So we have the text of these dilemma tales. The, The text itself was like, written down and recorded there is a complication because like obviously we have what researchers copied down and translated so already we have a couple steps removed from how the story would be presented but that's the the text of it for folklore is like the item itself so whether the text is the words of a story or a quilt or an internet meme or a sheet or a sea shanty or an internet meme of a sea shanty (laughs) um that's the text is like what the item like is so there's a lot that can be said and gained by comparing two different texts that are similar to each other we've obviously talked a lot about that particularly on this podcast i mean like our cinderella episodes are some of our most downloaded episodes Uh. and that's all conversation about comparing the variations in those tales So in one version of the tale, the text includes a story about beautiful dresses made of spun gold, but in a different version of the tale, we have a dress made out of kingfisher feathers. And looking at the variation of the text gives us an idea of what you know, high luxury was to the people who were telling the story. So there's a lot to be gained from looking at like the text and in these stories, like we can do the same things. We can look at different variations on like different tales and like discuss that, but we're not going to, (laughs) we are going to look at other tales uh, and how they are, but like there are going to be different, different versions of dilemma tales, not comparable tale types, if that makes sense. So another thing that folklorists look at is the texture of an item of folklore that can be like literal texture of something. Or uh, it can be a little more like uh, nebulous. Um, So another quote from Living Folklore is texture includes the literary linguistic and or physical characteristics of an item of folklore, as well as the features of the performer's presentation or style that affect the performance of the text and the audience's reaction to it. So this is part of it that is one of the things that we do not have here for these tales. So I'll kind of be a little more specific about it. So basically... It, the texture is a more nuanced look at the text itself. So this could include if the story uses like rhyming or alliteration in it. We talked about that with like Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, that that story, if you read it in its original form, highly alliterative. And so that is a texture of that story. Or Also, if the story is heavy in metaphor or words with double meanings, For items that are performed, it can even include the body language of the person who's retelling the story. Mm. So that's something that we do not have, like, written down or recorded that these dilemma tales, you know, if they were being presented by, like, the village elder and being spoken, we cannot see him. So we can't see where they would pause for effect or if sometimes you know they would lean over and like have like an aside outside yeah. of the action that kind of you know i whether it was like an aside that's for laughs or for the drama or because they're like you know a sassy person who's like all right here's my two cents about this yeah we don't have any of that recorded in these stories right.
1: i was thinking that too because there's so many ways that it could be changed just with that like the way someone says something would say a lot about like it could be very revealing of what they thought or what they wanted you to think or yes. and it could and even that could be like intentional like it could be like provocative in the sense of like like the the storyteller could say something in a way it's like like makes it ugh. What am I trying to say Katrina?
0: The storyteller could do some little thing physically that would like show his like bias to one side or another. Right. Like subconsciously or not like that that's just like part of the thing. Like when we're communicating, like as people, sometimes our body language can like betray us in a story.
1: And I'm thinking even like beyond that too, is like, because it is kind of performative in a way Mm -hmm. and it's meant to get people talking. Yeah. It could be done in a way that's like intentional. Like at the end of the story, the person telling it could make it obvious that, "Quote unquote obvious that one choice is the obvious choice. Like in this one, maybe not so yeah. much, but like, but that be the one that the community and the storyteller knows this. The community does not feel that way, but the storyteller's kind of pushing that way, intentionally trying to get them to push back against it or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. but we don't know. Like so many things like that could happen, yeah. and, and that would be very important for us to interpret." And know something about the culture and community that it was coming from,
0: if we could know those things. Yeah, if if that if that stuff had been like written down. In living folklore, they give an amazing example to illustrate the difference between like uh, text and texture. Um, because they mentioned the Star Spangled Banner is performed before major sporting events in the United States. So the text of that song is the same. It is yeah. exactly the same. The words are the same. So n- no matter what, the words of the song are going to be performed.
1: Well, I wouldn't but- say no matter what. I've seen some people butcher the words. Too. <laughs> that's, we don't need to go into that. Yeah,
0: no, that's true. Um, but we can expect the texture of the song to be different. If it's being performed by Shakira versus Blake Shelton. Mm. Like, and we all know what that's like, because we've, turned like, in, like, the United States...
1: I've seen the Pepsi halftime show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, they... Anytime at the beginning of the game, you know, when they are going to be singing the same song. And it's the same in a lot of other countries, too. Other countries have like national anthems or we listened to like the King's anthem uh, in Thailand. And that was before, like before movies, whatever. And the words were the exact same. But the style that it was done was different.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I know like this, this example. Can be used in other places besides, you know, the USA, because we all know what it's like to hear like a children's choir sing a particular song versus like a solo artist singing the song where like the text is the same, but the texture can be very, very different depending on who's the one singing it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to come back to this example when we talk about context.
0: Oh, yes. We can come back to this. So I was going to say like the also with text versus um, texture is that like Jeff and I retelling these African dilemma tales is going to be different versus hearing them from an actual community member telling their stories. Um, And even if I mean, obviously, we're not saying them the same because they would be saying them not in English. They would no. be like speaking their own stories in their own native language, but even if we were working off of like the same text, already the texture would be different. Yeah, in the stories, it's like it's not the same. Hearing hearing us retelling the story is not the same. And then the next element is the context, and that is the physical settings and the social situations of. The folklore that's being shared. So, everything that's around the text. So, is this text only performed at night, only in winter? So, all of that would be the context being recorded. And we don't have that. We do not have the context being recorded for these tales aside from, like, oh, groups would tell these stories. And what we're missing is the context of the conversation that got recorded around the text where that text might be recited once a year, you know, to different groups. But we're missing out on the whole context of what went on in the conversation after the text was like said. And that for these stories is like the most important thing to be studied and looked at. So another quote from Living Folklore, it says, in studying a certain folk text, we cannot simply lift it from its context and begin to accurately understand its importance to a particular group. It must be seen within a larger context as part of a cultural system. In addition, it is necessary to understand that the folklorist's interpretation of its significance should not be the final word. As the text is an element of a group's folklore, the group members are the experts on what those items or practices mean. So the folklorist shouldn't walk away with a set interpretation and consider her work complete. And so that's one of the reasons, you know, why I was like, we for this, like these tales aren't going to be able to come up with like, I mean, we could tell you, like Jeff and I could tell you what, what we think about these tales and like mm-hmm. how they should end or like, you know, what we think is like the right answer. except that our conversation about it is meaningless
1: <laughs> right to the like the the culture and the context
0: yes yeah exactly the context of our conversation could be written down and recorded but it would only tell about our culture yeah and like what our thoughts are on our culture it wouldn't be a conversation that would reveal anything about the culture that created the story. Yeah.
1: I mean, I still think there, and, and this is, that's the case actually with every single thing that we do on this yes. podcast. It's especially <laughs> the case here. And it's yes. like, you know, I'm like, I'm an accidentally great folklorist. Cause I just go into all of this stuff, like saying, like, I'm saying this stuff, but I'm probably, I'm like, I, I'm always having the back. Like, I'm probably wrong. I don't think that I'm right. Like, if this is just what I think. And it's like, that's yeah. good because I don't actually have the context. So I think like in other stories and we do it all the time where we're like, what we like to do is try to see like from the little hints that we have, what it might mean. And I think too, like we ad- acknowledge yeah. that even us thinking, like it said in living folklore, we are interpreting it. In lots of cases, like, just wildly inappropriately because we don't have the proper context to even start the interpretation, like, in this. But also going out knowing, like, that is not the final word. That's just what we think. And, like, especially when you consider context, which I feel like I know I don't typically. Like, now I'm looking back at every single, like, episode we've done. Even ones that I feel like are, are, well, like Cinderella, for example. Yeah. The context that we received that in is so... One varied just within our own experiences, we've received it in many texts, contexts, and textures throughout our entire lives. Yes, so far removed from the context and text, many times because we're always almost yeah. always reading translations of the cultures that they were like recorded from. And even that person that recorded it also was recording it like with their own influence on the text and the context and yes. the texture. And it's like, yeah. And 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 just context opens up like the Pandora's box of like, you can never capture all of the context because uh-huh. even among a group of people in a culture, they're going to have different opinions about what is important about it, why it's important. Yes. Going back, like I teased to the national anthem. Yes. I, I like it. I like the Star Spangled Banner as a song. I like the performances of it. I always think it's kind of weird that we do that at sporting events like the beginning of sporting events yeah so much so that when we are seeing it in other contexts my immediate like thought after the person like is on that like last note like the home of the brave and like hold it out for a long time whether it's happening or not i imagine a huge round of applause and then like play ball like after the end of it, yeah, you know? Cause it's like yeah. the place I hear it the most is sporting events. And like yeah. the context is very different in a sports arena versus like at a presidential inauguration or, you know, like yeah. some other, like more solemn, more official, more like ceremonial type of event, you know? And, but to some people like, like I'm kind of like, I would be fine if we didn't do that at the beginning of sport events. Like part of me would miss it just cause it's like this thing that is what we do.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah it's like become a ritual <laughs> yeah
1: but also like there's a, like there's a part of me that feels like kind of weird about it yeah but there's other people it's like they really really love it and like some people will stand for it put their hand over their heart some people will sing along some people won't some people sit down and refuse to stand up like very purposefully some people couldn't be bothered to stand up because they're eating their nachos you know like yeah within that Within that sports arena in that context, the context for the individual is different. The yeah. con- and like and then how granular and then how wide do you go with your context? Yeah. Because that all does kind of influence it to some degree. Like the the specific stuff that's happening in the community, the stuff that's happening but like between communities, the stuff that's happening in larger regions, the stuff that's happening—you know, like yeah—it's just so expansive. I'm like Katrina. Why do we even bother? Let's just stop the podcast. Last episode, <laughs> we can never understand or interpret anything. Like, let's just throw it the towel. Yeah.
0: No. And like, like so, exactly. Yep. That's it. That's what we're saying. Every folklore right. force Thank
1: up. you for thank you for coming. Uh, our, <laughs> this is the finale. We Life is meaningless.
0: <laughs> Um, so like one thing that I think that when you were talking about like context and going back to like, you know, other, other episodes that we've done where it's like, wait, but then, you know, we, we, we can't truly understand kind of like any context of like tales that have been collected in the past. Like one of the things that like, I think that you pinpointed was also like the time Where it's, like, we cannot go back to a French salon storytelling, you know, fairy tale and hear some of those fairy tales being performed in 1753 in, like, a French, like, salon. Like, and that's absolutely true and it's the same for like these stories so the story that you just retold comes from a book and the story was recorded in 1921 so it's been like a hundred years
1: even since, since it was recorded since it was
0: recorded and when it was recorded that probably was not the first time that story had ever been told it was not the first conversation that that town had had about it and so like even for them like it would be fascinating to have that story written down along with the context there of like that day that performance when a yeah. conversation was had about it and go back to that same area today mm. and hear if they have a similar version of that tale yeah, and what the community talks about then because like folklore is not a like a dead stagnant thing folklore is. Constant yeah it is constantly being created and like recreated it's not like holding still so it's like these people that this story was like recorded a hundred years ago of them you know telling the story they might have even if it's just slightly different values, they might have different community values. the conversations that they could have today would be very different from the conversations that they had a hundred years ago, but it's still relevant. And it's still relevant to their culture. It's not like, oh, that folklore is now dead because people think differently or have different conversations like around it. And so it's true that like recording all of the context because it's a man. I mean, some of the context also includes like how the women felt about hearing the story or even like how the storyteller felt about performing in front of women or mm-hmm. in front of men or in front of children yeah. and what they what they held back from saying or what they decided to to s- s- say or overstate yeah. because of who was in there and so getting all of the context it, it is impossible yeah it absolutely is impossible but one thing that like that we talk about on the podcast and we that we discuss are some of the things that are like within the text itself and what that tells us about right uh the story like so i pointed out to you that the title was written down the devil comes between them but in the story they use the word iblis yeah which i had recognized this name from when we were when we were reading the thousand and one Nights. yeah same and so I looked up. I was like, okay. So the Hassa people. I had already looked up, you know, like where that region was, but then I was like, okay, wait. Why are you, why are they talking about the devil in in a like an Arabic kind of context and like an Arabic like worldview? Yeah. And so I looked it up. The second most spoken language in this group of people is arabic Mm. the predominant and historically established religion of the hasa people is orthodox sunni islam there you go and i was like that's amazing that like that one word choice right of including just that like that one word made me go
1: yeah include us into a lot that we can learn about the yeah. Thing. Just from one word, because it was just, included. If they had just said the devil and didn't use Eblis, we would have never known.
0: Yeah. And so whoever translated that story, because they kept in that name instead of, I mean, they obviously they changed it for like the title. Right. But then the, because they left like that word in, in their translation, it I was able to look at the text and know something about the people who were telling this story. Yeah. Which I'm like, that, that is fascinating and valuable information. Like just being able to like, look at the text. Do I absolutely wish that we had more of the context? Because I do, I really badly want to hear the conversation and the reasoning that people have for picking like the, the decision that they made. I mean, and we do know too, from like looking at the text, that some of what the conversation in that one tale was going to be about, Is, you know, this idea of your family over, you know, your future kind of like in-laws. And does your loyalty lie to people who that you're blood related to or people who are going to show their love for you by saving your life? Like, yeah. The person who gave you life or the person who would save save your life. life.
1: But here's the interesting thing too. It's like, it's not even the person that saved his life. It's the mother of the person that saved his life.
0: That's true. Because yeah. it would
1: be different if it was like, who are you going to kill? The person that saved your life or your mom. That's still a horribly impossible situation, but it oh, is yeah, interesting yeah. that it's mother and mother.
0: Yeah. Which again, like, I wish I knew kind of like the context even, because there's probably something that like, you know, I'm not even like aware of yeah. in oh, that yeah. choice of, of like, what it means to be a mother or like the, the mother who gave birth to you or the mother who raised such a good person that, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. or even like, okay, like what, what is like, you know, the maternal versus paternal system like, you know, in this culture and like, why is that pick? So it's like, we, we can see by looking at the story what the conversation is kind of setting up yeah, without but we necessarily don't knowing
1: where it goes,
0: where it goes. Um, So I have another story that is inside of the annotated African-American Folk Tales. And this is the book that I first found out about um, African Dilemma Tales. And this story is called Track Well, Dive Well, and Breathe Well. And it was recorded in South Carolina.
1: Mm, I think I just found the name for my indie band track well dive well breathe well track well dive well and breathe well nice we're a trio (laughs) what's our album called again conscience uh oh conundrums of conscience or
0: yeah
1: case of conscience case case of conscience coming soon from track well breathe well and
0: Dive Whenever. well. Dive I'm well. I'm like, you'll remember the days once, <laughs> once I read it. This is a story that was told by a person named Henry Bryan, and he was a 35 year old boatman who was living on an island off the coast of South Carolina. So there once was a man who had a beautiful daughter. Classic. A tale told around the world. <laughs> so there was a man who had a beautiful daughter. And he wanted her to marry like the best person, like the the most wonderful, gifted, talented person that there was. So there were these three guys who came to see if they could win her hand. There was track well, dive well, and breathe well. And they came and they told the dad of, you know, how amazing and talented and everything they were, and he was like, eh, and like I don't know, I don't know, guys, I don't know. But it was soon discovered that his daughter had gone missing, <gasps> and he was like, oh no, everybody start looking for her, like we have to find her because she's the most important thing in the world to me. So they started looking for this girl, and Trackwell followed her tracks, and they led right down to the water.
1: Oh no! I and was after like, "Good they, job, track over there." I was like, "Oh, yeah. dang it, the water!"
0: They led right down to the ocean, and that's you know where he stopped. And he was like, "Well, she, you know, she came to this point." So dive well comes over, and he's like, "All right, I'll go looking." So he jumps into the water. To this dive looks like a in. job for me. Yeah, this looks <laughs> like a job for me. So he jumps in, and he swims to the bottom of the ocean, and he finds the body of this daughter so he lifts her up and he brings her back to the surface and lays her down on the beach and she's obviously lifeless she's been at the Mm. bottom of the ocean so breathe well comes over and he basically like gives her cpr (laughs) he like puts his air into her and she comes back to life So all three of these men say to the father, like, okay, she's alive. We showed you our skills now. Which one of us deserves her? And the father was like, I don't know which one of you feels entitled to my daughter. And Trackwell (laughs) was like, well, obviously I'm entitled to your daughter because I was the one who discovered, you know, that she had gone into the water. But then Divewell was like, no, you did not find her. You tracked her to the edge of the water. I dove down into the water and found her. She was lost. I found her. And I brought her up. And then Breathwell was like, well, a lot of good that did her. When you brought her up, she was dead. <laughs> I brought her back to life. So I am entitled to her. And this story actually ends with a proposed ending from Henry Bryan where he says that the father thought that Breathe Well had the best justification, and so he gave her to Breathe Well. Hmm. And so in this case, this is like an example of, and this this tradition also exists in Africa. It's not just because he had, you know, generations of family who were brought over to the Carolinas on slave ships. This is part of like the the tradition is a person giving a proposed ending. So his proposed ending was like he that breathe well was entitled to the daughter. But this is also where when we were talking earlier about how these stories then can become discussions where you push back on that person. For hmm. like their proposed ending, but yeah, I thought it was really cool to include also an example of how a how a dilemma tale made it over into America, and that there was this tradition that was kept alive.
1: yeah, that is cool
0: now, heading back over into Africa, Nigerian area. Uh we have one last tale that is very interesting called Who Should He Kill.
1: Who Should He Kill? Which is interesting because this could be the title of the other one. Oh actually no, because it's Should He Kill the Lizard or Not Kill the Lizard, which is also an interesting thing.
0: We didn't That'd be an interesting we, title. None
1: of us, none of us maybe they would have in the community, but like we didn't even care. It's like if that the lizard that it did nothing would have to yeah. die or not die.
0: Yeah, we were like... Yeah. We
1: didn't care about who he was actually going to literally actually yeah, he, kill. Yeah, he
0: had to make the decision of whether or not he was going to kill the lizard, but did we talk about that? No. No, we made did it sound we, like he was
1: going to have to kill his own mob, because, I mean, as a consequence, yeah, but anyway.
0: There's only so much love that I can extend towards a Monitor lizard.
1: lizards. So there was once a man who had no other job but to dig out those pesky ground squirrels
0: for fun i looked up uh ground squirrels in nigeria they're big ooh i live in the desert we have we have gra- a lot of ground squirrels here too but they are so small they're like the size of what you would think of as like a chipmunk or whatever they're like uh. slight they're like slightly larger than a, a mouse but smaller than a rat are ones, but the ground squirrel that they're talking about, like in Nigeria, they're big buddies.
1: I wouldn't even be sure what a ground squirrel was. All right. This man took his son to work with him one day and he's like, okay, you go and stop up the back entrances of their little lairs and I'll start digging. But when the father started digging, the ground squirrel came out where the son was and just like took off. And so the father was mad because he's like, you didn't do your one job. And so he takes the handle of his hoe and he starts like beating his son, knocks him senseless. So a little later in the evening, there came an Arab who was out for a walk. And he saw this kid laying in the dirt who was just now coming to his senses like birds chirping around his head. And this guy had never had any kids. So he picked up the boy and took him home with him. And it's like this kid was in bad shape. His nose was dirty and full of ants
0: yeah because they (laughs) like to eat the the moisture from the blood
1: that's disgusting coming from a place
0: that yeah i'm like
1: i don't want ever to lived in a country where there was a
0: lot of ants that anytime there was anything remotely that that like they could eat on you like you couldn't go to bed with like like oh Never eat in your bed. Never go to sleep with like food on your face. I'm sorry. I've been traumatized by ants too, That's how you too, get apparently. ants That's on you your body. On your body, yeah.
1: Um, so but anyway, the, yeah,
0: when it was saying like, oh, he had so much blood on like his face that he had like no, uh, ants in his nose. I was like, oh, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> what a terrifying thing.
1: Yeah. Um, so the guy, you know, cleans the kid up. And when the boy had recovered... The Arab dressed him in black and white. This nice gown, these like really nice embroidered pants, and a, it says a quote heavily indigoed gown. It's so, like this dark blue, beautiful gown, and a turban that was twenty cubits long and twenty strips wide. And if my like uh, units of measure knowledge is correct, a cubit is like the length of like your forearm to fingertips, right? Like 20 20, That's like 60 feet, depending on the length of your arm. Not quite that long. 40 feet. So in this area that this uh, guy had taken this boy back to, all of the rich merchant sons, they used to ride horses and compete at the racetrack. And so the Arab that picked up this boy brought out a saddle that was like super awesome, super slick, covered in gold and silver, brass stirrups. From Tripoli, uh, neighboring Libya on the Mediterranean Sea. All in all, super nice saddle. He tells the boy to mount up and he's like, hey, when you get to the track, just do whatever you see all the other people doing. Try to fit in, basically, is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. And so the boy joins all the rich merchant sons and he's going along with them. And like some people see this kid show up and they're like arguing amongst themselves like, who is this guy? Like, whose son is he? Like, who. What family does he belong to? And so when all the merchant sons got home, they're going to their father and they're like, hey, there's this Arab who has a son, but he's like got all this like nice stuff, stuff that's way nicer than us, like more finery than we have. And the fathers are like, no, 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 no. That's not his son. It's fake. That's not true. They're like, well, anyway, what we're gonna do, we'll test him. When you go riding with him, every one of you give away your horse and all your equipment before you come home and then we'll see because the way to demonstrate your true wealth is through generosity, through just giving it away. So we'll see if he's rich or not. It doesn't matter if he's showing off all this stuff, yeah. giving it away. That's the test. So the sons went out the next day and afterwards they gave away their horses and watching carefully, this adopted son of this Arab guy also gave away his horse. So after this, the merchants gave their sons new horses that were worth Quote, a million cowries, which I don't know how much that is, but if it's a million of them, it's probably a lot. Like even a million cents is a lot.
0: Oh, because cowries, cowries are not a- It's not a currency. Anymore. It was pre-colonial era before 1700s and 1900s. So it it was before then. Right. So, yeah, one of the we'll oldest know. known forms of currency in African parts is calories. Calories per bag were used before banknotes and coins were introduced into the economy. There
1: you go. So, worth a lot of these monies. Um, and so, all these merchants said to their sons, when you go riding, before you come home, kill your horses. Not just giving it away to someone else, like, we're going to show how wealthy we are by. Just killing them.
0: By how wasteful we are. (laughs) And so
1: the Arab's adoptive son was given a horse that was worth 10 million calories, So 10 times as much as these other horses. And so when they'd had their gallop, it says, which I love how they phrased it that way, every one of those merchant sons took out their swords and they like killed their horse. And watching them carefully, doing as his adoptive father had instructed the young, the boy, like without even like bothering to take off the saddle or anything, he cut down his horse as well and went home. And so all these guys are like, oh my gosh, did you see that? Like he did it too. Like he killed his horse that's worth way more than ours. And he didn't even take off the horse's like saddle and equipment and all that stuff. And he left it there. He's like, man, it must be this guy's son after all. And he must actually be like rich.
0: Meanwhile, this kid's probably thinking like, oh my gosh, these people are so crazy, like wasteful. (laughs) What's wrong with them? Yeah. (laughs) But he's like, well, he said do exactly what those kids said. So I better do it.
1: Yeah. He was being obedient to his adoptive dad. Yeah. So time passed and the Muslim festival was at hand. So, In the morning for this festival, this procession was taking place and all of the youths of the town were on horses and they were like just fully decked out. And so when they're passing back from the mosque, uh, they started passing among like the, the common people who had come down from the country to do their prayers at the festival. And it happened that the guy whose job was to dig out all those ground squirrels. Uh, was one of these people in the crowd and he saw his son that he had beaten senseless in the crowd and he's like hey you get down from that horse he's like that's not your father's horse you rascal (laughs) (laughs) and then he proceeds to brag on his other sons he's like hey look at your brothers over here one of them killed nine ground squirrels and the other one killed 10 and look at you up there riding on your horse like just all lazy and stuff and so like the arab says to the the dad it's like hey cut it out, calm down. Here you go. Take your son back. That's fine. Take him back. We'll, we'll give him back to you. And so they go back home. The Arab picks out two horses, saddles them up, picks out these two gowns, a black one and a white one. He gives them to the boy's father and gave him 20,000 cowrie shells and some like food provisions for the journey. All three of them mounted up and rode off to take them back to wherever. And so as they left the town and came to the bush, The Arab gets a sword out and gives it to the boy. And he says, okay, now they're out of town. Either me or your dad. You got to choose, kill one of us right now. And so the question becomes, who should he cut down? The Arab who'd given him so many things or his own father who'd struck him unconscious because of the ground squirrel? Which one of these people should he kill?
0: I love how, like, earlier in the episode you had said, like, Sometimes the story ends where like the question is phrased in a way where it makes you feel like the, like, like they're almost making the point in the question, like the way that they phrase the question. And this is one of those, right? I'm not sure whether it's like the, the translation of it right, or whether it is, you know, this one where they're like the Arab who had given him so many things or his own father who had struck him unconscious because of Uh, a squirrel because of a ground squirrel it it sounds like they're saying like obviously the answer is clear it's
1: an interesting like in between the two like the first one really was a question of like which one should it be and it's like oh wow it could go either way and that's like really revealing something the one that you just told where it's like here's what it should be do you agree or disagree and this one's like who should it be? This person who did this nice stuff or this person yeah. that did this bad stuff? <laughs> like
0: <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be very
1: telling of you which one you pick.
0: Yeah. Like, but it's yeah, like it really the, is. Yeah. It's like the complication is like so in this story, you have this person who is an outsider who is like very rich and wealthy, but he's not, you know, part of the Community there, but he took this boy in who also, you know, is an outsider, obviously, to him. He took in this boy and helped him when he was, you know, dirty, beat up, covered in blood, unconscious. He helped like fix him up, but also he's also the one that's ma- saying to the kid, Make your choice, which I also think yeah. is a little rough too, because it's like, or like a count against him. Yeah, because I mean, he can even say
1: he didn't have to make him choose one or the other.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I'm like, yeah, maybe that's my perception of it. I don't know. Yeah. Then you have his father who, you know, these are the people that he comes from, like, but his father is also like violent and abusive. So it becomes this thing of like, are you loyal to an outsider who's kind to you or your community the insider who's mean to you like yeah. there's like the, like the, those are like the values that are at odds and so it's like me my brain of you know Katrina of 2022 in America I'm like oh yeah if you have toxic family get them out of you <laughs> you know and so it's like i i know like my perception of this question is probably a lot different than the culture that created this story. Yeah. And the time period that like it was created.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just so interesting too, because I don't know. Again, just looking at the differences between the three of these stories that we've told so far, like in that first one, it was like a third party that was setting up the situation in this one. It's one of the people that's like involved in it, which adds its own like complication
0: yeah, like this one this one almost feels like out of all out of the the three that we've told this one is the one that's most likely to like actually happen because yeah. there's not any fantastical element cuz obviously track well dive well breathe well the fantastical right. elements there are like you know obvious but with this one it seems like something that like it's could plausible. happen yeah. and like what you're saying with like the person who is like, presenting the, the question is, like, a person who's, like, involved with like yeah, the situation. Got
1: some skin in the game.
0: But on the other hand, he is, you know, he's handing out the sword and he's saying, I will let you kill me if that's your choice.
1: Yeah, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's confidence.
1: Because another part of it, too, is, like, just taking out the father, not the father sort of a thing. Like, which you can't completely take it out. But there's the, that element of, like what kind of violence are you allowed to do as retribution for violence like he beat you is that reason for you to be able to kill him
0: yeah you know
1: like should violence be responded to with violence like what levels appropriate or inappropriate you know i don't like it's just there that whole like yeah different violence intensities is also interesting
0: and that's, play into it To me, I'm like, that's one of those things that like why I was saying like, oh, it'd be really interesting to have like the context yeah. of this tale being told all of, you know, the conversation that went on after this tale was told, you know, in 1921 and hear what the, you know, the cultural, uh, like values that are being discussed would be versus today, because, like, I mean, even we have just noted just now that, like, there's different conversations that are being had today than were being had, like, even in the US, like, a hundred years ago, where people are like, eh, you can't hit kids. Right. And, like, that was not much of a conversation that was happening, even, you know, in the United States, like, a hundred years ago. And, but now, In the last hundred years, a lot of cultural, like, changes have happened. And so it's like, I know that that's true for the communities that, like, made this story, which is, which would, it'd be interesting, too, to see how they would change the text or change the story to pinpoint exactly, you know, what was to be talked about. But, yeah, like, it's just, I'm fascinated by like cultures and how they feel about stuff and and why they feel the ways that they feel about it.
1: Yeah. And that's a big thing that we are missing in this one is like, what are, what is the context for again, how they would feel about it, which is going to be different from how I feel about it. Like you said, like even like the culture that I'm a part of much more recently than this story was recorded. The general feelings about like violence were different and yeah. like when it's appropriate, when it's not and what kinds, you know, like, so yeah, it's just fascinating. And it's like one of those things. So I know I was like, oh, with context, like you open everything up and you can't know anything, but it is also too, like one of the freeing things is like you can sort of choose and it's what we do and what we're choosing to do in this situation too, working with what we have. Yeah. It's like going off of what we have or picking specific elements to focus on, to compare or contrast or to think about, to like try to glean something. Like you alluded to before about like, you know, if you took, listen to the same story or listen to a similar thing, like in the same culture, but just across time and how it would be different. And then you can just take those specific differences and get to it. And in this case, one thing that we could do, even though we don't have the context is kind of like, again, knowing full well that we could be very wrong, making like an assumption or an observation that their perception of violence would have been different than ours, just based on how the story is kind of like structured and leaning for you to go.
0: Yeah, just like in you know, like other stories that we've read. I mean, I think we brought up Thrushbeard at the beginning of the episode, where we're like, "Oh no, this behavior is bad." And so it's like you take that story out of its context of when it was written, and you read it today, and you're like, "We feel a lot differently about uh, how you treat people uh, than like when this story was like written." Like it's interesting to like like look at tales. When they're made and talk about, like, okay, obviously, there was some of this that, like, they didn't even notice that they were including in this. They didn't see that as, like, a problematic element in the story. They were like, oh, we're highlighting how women back talk to men or, or, like, how, like, women who are rude need to be taught a lesson. And instead what they're revealing now that we, you know, have like perspective on the story, we look back at it and we're like, Oh, you were telling us a lot more about yourself than like, (laughs) you like, realize it's just interesting. Like in in stories. uh, Yeah. Like how you can, (laughs) how you can do that. One thing that is like interesting is how um, folklorists and like folklore studies, as a discipline has been created and like evolved like over time. And it's really interesting because a lot of these stories that were being recorded by just people with a general interest, you know, back over a hundred years ago, like 150 years ago when they were recording these stories, Usually white people, Europeans who were writing down the stories of places that they were currently colonizing Mm -hmm. and they were writing down these stories, obviously their methodology for how they were doing that is different than like what folklorists do today. And so it is interesting to look back and see like what was done 150 years ago or even 100 years ago or even 50 years ago when people were looking at other people's cultures, seeing where the weaknesses were, seeing stuff that got missed that would have been valuable. So even though it's like, it's sad that we do not have the context around these stories, it also teaches a valuable lesson about like, why that is important for folklorists to like focus on that today. And why, why trying to record at least something. Cause like we had talked about like, Man, it seems like an impossible task to be in charge of recording all the context around like something happening. Something is better than nothing. Yeah. And and so when when we see gaps in knowledge like this, it helps to highlight why it's so important to... Be gathering that stuff today when we're like looking at folklore. So in African folk tales put out by the Pantheon fairy tale and folklore library, it has a really quick like definition of dilemma tales that I absolutely love just as, like, as a little snippet. It doesn't obviously fully say everything about it, but I love it. It just says they are fictions about truth. I was like, ooh. I love that because it reminded me so much of like, you know, other story traditions that we've looked at
1: mm-hmm. where
0: inside of the story, even though it's fictional, it's fantastical, whatever, it says a lot about like human nature. And I will end with this quote from African Folk Tales. It says, virtue in the context of African storytelling resides both in the ability to argue eloquently and in the ability to demonstrate a command of tradition. In arguments over the problems set by the stories, it cannot be stressed too strongly that it is the flow of the discussion that counts, not the finding of a solution. Through argument, the customary practices of the community are rehearsed and celebrated.
1: Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also, consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes, at patreon.com/slash/TheFairyTellers. Special thanks to Andrew Forey for our music and to Clarice Inge for our artwork, and of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible.
0: Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar No one better be pooping. I'm the only one who can poop around here.
1: (laughs) I'm going to set that as my ringtone.